the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Podcast. I am your host, Dick DeGilio. Hello, everyone. It's uh, Tuesday, and it's the first Tuesday of the month, which means it is for the people. That's right. Every first Tuesday of each month, it's for the people. That means it's for you. That's when we have Herb Weisbaum, uh, Consumer Man at ConsumerMan.com, and he writes for Checkbook.org. He is our consumer guy. Any issues that you have with money, you want to keep yourself safe, you want to get away from the scams, uh, Herb joins us um, every month to talk about money issues, consumer stuff, and to help you out. It's for you. It's for the people. And then Tom Appel joins us, the great Tom Appel. Our, he's our car guy. He is the publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive, knows everything about cars. If you have any automotive or car-related questions, if you're looking to buy a car or lease a car, any kind of questions in general about uh, consumer uh, car issues, Tom's our guy, and he joins us. Uh, the first Tuesday of each month, too. So it's Herb and Tom, our consumer and car guy for the people. That's what's happening on the show uh, today. Esmeralda, again, has the week off every time we have, or the day off every time we have a uh, the for the people. But I do uh, want to thank you for your voicemails and emails. And you can be a part of the podcast here, the Nick D podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. You can leave us a voicemail anytime you want. Voicemails are encouraged. We're going to play a couple of them. We listen to them all. We thank you for the support and the lovely thoughts. 773-417-6948. Drop us an email, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. We've been getting a lot of emails too, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, we want to thank you for for the lovely encouragement and the support. And uh, I have a lot of longtime fans. Lots of the emails and the voicemails that we get. People talk about how long they've been listening to me. And, uh, and man, I really, really appreciate that. Uh, and I really do. And uh, you know who else is a big fan? Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do, baby. Everybody knows it. Hi, stop. I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know. Anyway, she loves my show, and so do a lot of people, and I really appreciate that. Uh, so emails and voicemails, uh, if you want to send them again, anytime, anywhere, anytime. 773-417-6948 for the voicemail, nickdpodcast at gmail.com for the email. Got an email here that I want to share uh, from you lovely people. This is from Heath. He says, I was very excited to see that you have a podcast. I discovered it a couple of weeks ago. Started with the first episode. I finally caught up yesterday. It's so great to hear you again. I discovered your show on WGN one early morning when I lived in Tullahoma, Tennessee. I listened as often as I possibly could when I could pick up the signal and I would listen to the podcast when I couldn't. You kept me company when I couldn't sleep or when I was at work. And it's awesome to hear that you and Esmeralda are uh, as well as uh, it was great to hear that and your movie reviews, your TV talk, your dad's jokes, and your interviews are always really well done. And the entire podcast is very professional. You know why it's professional? Ed and everybody at the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Ed, my main man. Thank you, buddy. 
uh, and uh, the interviews are uh, well done as well. Uh, Esmeralda's theme often pops into my head. That's Jason Skaggs, the incredibly talented, the unbelievably talented Jason Skaggs, who does all the sounds and the themes and the cool stuff you hear. He's the one responsible for Esmeralda's theme song. So thank you to Jason Skaggs for that. Uh, and it often pops into my head and I sing it uh, in my head, the Esmeralda's theme. I currently live in Mersfree's Borough. Uh, Tennessee, and I'll continue to listen. Thank you for all that you do, and thank you for your time. You are really appreciated. That's from Heath. Thank you, Heath. I love your candy bar. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. I'm sure he's never heard that before. That's real original, Nick. Uh, so that's a lovely email, one of many that we get, and we appreciate all of it. And we have a, uh, a voicemail that I would like to share, and this is from uh, a, a lovely gentleman named Patrick. Nick, it's Patrick. I wanted to say how happy I am able to hear you again on a regular basis. About a year ago, I was reading Rob Feeder's column, and I saw he had an email address. I emailed him and asked him if he had any updates about you. Crazily, he emailed me back in five minutes. It was very, very classy and said he had no information but would keep me posted. Well, I was delighted in the last few months to see that we're joining the Radio Misfits and having your own podcast, and it really is great to hear you on a regular basis again. I love Esmeralda. I love all of the car talk and the different features. Um, it is uh, something I enjoy regularly, and I go way back uh, 10, 15 years listening to you and appreciating uh, the work you've done on the radio. So uh, congratulations. It is truly wonderful to hear you back. Be well. Bye. Wow, thank you, Patrick, man. No idea, uh, guys, how that makes me feel after, um, you know, um, about a year and a half or so or more of uh, having a really rough go of it, man. Uh, whenever I see these emails, whenever I hear your voicemails, whenever I hear the feedback, and and whenever I hear uh, just how many people are listening to the podcast, a lot of people are listening to this podcast and subscribing. Uh, it means the world to me. I cannot tell you how much it means to me. So I thank you for that. And everybody involved with the podcast, I want to thank them as well. And everybody, and for 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 housing me the Radio Misfits. Check out radiomisfits.com. In addition to my podcast, there are tons of amazing podcasts to check out there too. So please check that out. Also, my dad is going to tell a joke today. He does that every Tuesday and he will tell a joke. My dad's 80 years old, works at the Jewels, been telling jokes his whole life and uh, they're often fantastic. And I've been sharing my dad's jokes directly from the horse's mouth, my dad, for years and years on my show. And I continue to do so. So my dad will be joining me to tell a joke. Tom Appel will be joining us a little bit later on to talk cars. And Herb Weissbaum will be joining us uh, right after we hear this. The great Herb Weissbaum Consumer Man is coming up after this. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D Podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh, yeah. Don't be a jackal. Herb Weissbaum is the Consumer Man. Yes, he is your hero when it comes to consuming the Consumer Man. Oh, yes, Herb is your man. He is. He is your man. He is the Consumer Man. <laughs> Herb Weissbaum uh, joins us once a month, the first Tuesday of each month, on our uh 
our, our monthly episode for the people. And Herb is joining us to kick off for the people. Uh, he is the consumer man. You can check out consumerman.com. You can check out uh, the stuff that he writes for, for checkbook.org. And he uh, talks to us once a month, been a friend of, of my show for many, many years. And we say hello to Herb Weissbaum. Hello, Herb. Hello there, Nick. Happy April. Happy April to you as well. It's spring and fun and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you ignore doing the taxes. <laughs> well, speaking of taxes, uh, you know, everybody gets a little tense this time of year. Or at least yep. some of us, some people do. And and I know that this year uh, as well, the government is offering an extension like they did last year because of COVID and some of the other things that have been going on for the past couple of years. But around this time, you know, as we get closer to the April deadline, to the April 15th uh Time. April 18th, April 18th, 18th. Okay. Sorry for me. It's always been the 15th. <laughs> I don't know why, but as soon as we get close to that, to that deadline, people start to freak out a little bit. And I thought maybe um, if there was something in general, because what you, what you talk about, well, Herb, before we jump into that, uh, by way of introduction for folks that might not uh, know uh, who you are as a, an incredible regular who has been working with me as I've been broadcasting for many years, uh, you are the consumer man. Explain to everybody what that means. Sure, I've been covering the consumer beat uh, for about 40-something years now. I'm a contributing editor at Checkbook.org, the nonprofit that is based in Washington, D.C., and actually publishes products and services uh, in your area, in the Chicagoland area. I know your podcast is natural, uh, national, but uh, we do it in uh, seven cities across the country. And um, uh, I do a podcast for them called the Consumerpedia, which you can find at Consumerpedia.org. And my goal in life is just to help you save money, save time, and avoid the ripoffs and the scams. Yeah. And as I've said this uh, countless times before, Herb, you've been uh, a part of uh, my shows uh, on radio and now uh, as part of the podcast here for many years. Yep. And I always learn something every time uh, I have you uh, on the podcast or on the show. There's Great. always something that I learn and always something that I feel uh, uh, good about after I, after I talk to you about it. And as we mentioned, you know, we're going to talk about scams and you know, consumer issues and and, and things that uh, that you know might help you get through this really hazy world of keeping yourself safe and your money safe and, and all that kind of stuff. But as we just we were talking about uh, hinting to, uh, is there anything uh, maybe a little bit because people get a little tense around this time, do, you know? And I know that scammers work twenty four seven year round. Sure. Uh, but it, it, you know, at this time, tax time. Uh, do the scammers, you know, do, do they accelerate a little bit? Is there anything that people should kind of look out for at this time of year more than any other time of year? Well, of course, they work year-round, as you said. But this time, a lot of people are worried about their refunds. If it doesn't come right away, you know, the IRS is way, way, way behind. They're still dealing with tax returns from 2020. And uh, so if you get a, an email out of the blue or some kind of contact out of the blue indicating it's the IRS, there's a problem with your return, your refund is being held up, whatever, you can be sure, 100% sure that that is a scam. The IRS does not contact people by email. They do not contact people by text message or social media or telephone. If there's a problem with your return, the IRS will send you an e a letter, U.S. mail, snail mail. That's how they contact you. First contact is always made by a letter. So if you get some kind of digital communication, phone call, email, text message, social media, 
a direct message, whatever, you know you're dealing with a fraudster, just ignore it. If you want to check on the status of your refund, you can go to the IRS webpage, irs.gov, and there's a link up there that says, where's my refund? And you can put in the right information and they will let you know. The only other tip I have, and it's not scam related, uh, but I just wrote a story about it, is that uh, make sure if you're racing to the April 18th deadline that uh, you do everything right. Cross every T, dot every I, make sure the math is right. Uh, if you're using uh, electronic software to do that, that should help you avoid any problems because if there's a problem with your tax return, it's going to be pulled aside, it's going to be handled manually, and it could take months for them to deal with it with the backlog that's underway right now. You want to have everything done digitally, filed digitally, electronically, because the uh, program will catch a lot of those errors and have your money direct deposited electronically into your bank account. If you deal with paper in any way, shape, or form, either sending in forms or asking for a check to be cut, you're going to slow the whole process down. And quite frankly, it's as slow as it can be right now, Nick. Yeah, it is. It's interesting. You know, uh, uh, just just, you know, I was at the same place for many, many years. So uh, my my uh, my financial situation has completely changed over the last year. And a half, yes. yes. Uh, as most people know, isn't poverty uh, wonderful? It's fantastic. <laughs> let me tell you, although I will say that it's going to make my taxes a little bit easier this year. Uh, sure. You sure. know, it's like I don't have anything. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I might I, and I've used the same guy. And, and this is this is the thing that I that that I that I. It, it, that I that I find really comforting. I have been using the same guy for my taxes since 1999. Hmm. Wow. Um. And he's uh, amazing. He's trustworthy. Uh. It's it. He he he's good at what he does. And you know, like during this sort of weird time in my life where you know it's going to be kind of kind of weird to file you know for taxes. Uh, sure. He, and I he already knows. Like he's like, oh yeah, you work for a place for like 30 years and now you don't. And you're, you know, and the taxes are going to be a little more interesting this year, (laughs) but it's, it's always nice. And and this isn't the luxury that a lot of people have, but it's always nice to have a guy that you can trust and, uh, or a woman that you can trust. And in my case, it's a guy, uh, a guy that I've, like I've said that I have trusted since 1999 and I would never go anywhere else. And it's always, that's a real comfort this time of year for people who have a CPA that they can go to, that they really trust. And again, from the fraud aspect, you know, that's where people get into trouble, where they see an ad or something and just walk in and have somebody do their taxes. I mean, I'm not, I'm not talking H&R Block walking, but just somebody puts up a sign in a neighborhood and it's happened. You know, yeah. we do your taxes, really good rates or whatever. You know, you have to have somebody who's trusted because even though they're preparing it, you're signed it. The IRS comes back at you if there's a problem. So you have yep. to have a trusted tax advisor. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be weird this year. Uh, I'm, I'm waiting until the very last minute <laughs> to, to, to file. I've already talked to my guy and he's like whatever you want just will it'll be okay nick just sure. it'll be okay sure so anyway but i know that a lot of people at this time get a little anxious you know and some people who who maybe you know like over the past couple of years maybe something you know happened to to some of our subscribers that happened to me like they lost their job or something happened because over the past couple of years everything has changed yes. you know uh and so it, it people i think need a little bit more security in that regard so and by the way, there is help available, free help available for people who are having money issues and, and need some help or just don't know what they're doing, seniors or whatever. Uh, if you go to the IRS website again and, and just search free free help, there is free help for people, not only free software, but also there's uh, volunteer programs where you can meet with people in person throughout communities all across the country, and they will help you do your tax returns. AARP has a program. There's other programs as well. So just look for uh, that on the IRS website. People can't help you out, uh, and, and don't get overwhelmed by it. Uh, you do have a newsletter. Let's talk a little bit about that that people can uh, can check out. It's a free newsletter. 
Sure. Just go to my website, consumerman.com, and uh, you can sign up on the right-hand side of the page. You'll get uh, an email from me, a newsletter every week about all the stories I've done for checkbook.org and uh, the upcoming uh, podcast and just some other consumer uh, items that will be of interest to you that I've done for my radio station out here in Seattle. And uh, we'll just keep you up to date on what's going on. So you'll hear from me once a week and proactively. And we share the Nick podcast as well, the Nick D podcast, because it's one of my favorites. Oh, well, thanks, Herb. And again, uh, consumerman.com and yep. uh, click on to the newsletter. And there you go. All right. Now yep. let's get into it. Let's get into a, 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 a subject that I'm completely uh, pretty much clueless about. Uh, <laughs> it's a mystery to me. I don't quite get I it. Can I can think about six topics, Nick, and, but go on. Well, Which one are you no, talking about? No, that's true. Listen, yeah, yeah, yeah. every morning I wake up, I don't know what the hell's going on. Um, <laughs> but in regards to cryptocurrency, this is something sure. that I am distancing myself from because I kind yep. of have no interest in it. It seems a little weird to me. It's a mystery to me, and I don't, I, I just don't kind of trust it. But, uh, you know, because of this added world of mystery with the cryptocurrency, uh, the scammers are jumping in on that. And you have some Big stories, time. a couple of stories uh, that you wrote for Checkbook.org about cryptocurrency and some and some bogus investments is the first story that you were talking about. Yeah. Tell, tell I mean, us about that. Yeah, because of all the news stories about people who've gotten rich in cryptocurrency, you know, somebody who bought a couple of uh, crypto coins for whatever, a few dollars way back when, and that's now up to $60,000 a coin. Of course, it's dropped to 30000 but whatever. It's it's all over the place. Huge profits. There's a gold rush, literally a gold rush mentality uh, taking place around the world, and people want to cash in on crypto because it sounds like a real easy way to make a lot of money quick. And what's happening is the cyber criminals are luring victims to help them get rich, so to speak. Um, and what they're doing is they're using people's lack of knowledge about cryptocurrency and about investing to take advantage of them because they just uh, you know think this is a golden opportunity, a one-way street. You put your money in, you cash out when you're done, and that's not happening. Uh, my story for Checkbook.org talks about a really extensive uh, investigation that the Better Business Bureau did. They looked into cryptocurrency, and uh, they're finding that the scams are just skyrocketing, as are the losses. Uh, the reports are coming in from all across the country. The Federal Trade Commission getting reports of losses as well. You know, it's so easy now to do this, Nick, because there are Bitcoin ATMs and apps all over the place. So when the con artist talks to you and convinces you to do this, it's not like a big deal project to convert your currency to Bitcoin in order to make the, the purchase. You just go to this ATM, you use the app, and you can instantaneously change real U.S. dollars into cryptocurrency and then digitally send it to these bogus investors. So uh, it's just absolutely terrible. Um, it seems legitimate. In many cases, it seems to start with a friend. So some people have seen like uh, videos on YouTube, uh, and some people uh, believe that they're getting something from a friend, uh, a new friend or an old friend. A new friend is somebody, a, a scammer who tries to get into your friend file. And right. an old, and the other way is they hack your friend's account, and you think you're really talking to an old friend, somebody you trust, and they always tell you, I made all this money, and it's really great, and it's, quote, guaranteed, you know, surefire, can't-miss situation. And uh, if you get involved, they'll send you to possibly a website where you can get involved with this thing. And the BBB said to me, the deal with the scam is these websites are so sophisticated now, you really think you're dealing with a legitimate investment firm. They have live customer support, live chat. They require usernames and passwords. You can check your account because they have these computer programs that give you bogus earnings. You know, you put in $750 and a week later you have 
$10,000. So the people feel really safe. They're dealing with a legitimate firm. But by the time they, they realize they've been taken, I mean, the losses go from a couple of thousand to, I talked to a guy who lost seriously $50,000, $50,000 to this. Jeez. And uh, can I tell you a story? Because I think it's really indicative of yeah, what's yeah, going on. Yeah, yeah. So his name is Mr. Chen. He just wanted me to use his last name. And he lives in Massachusetts. And uh, he got a, a, a message from his new Facebook friend who claimed to be a successful trader on the Hong Kong exchange. And this new friend kept showing him screenshots of how much money he was making. And finally, Mr. Chen decided to give it a try. He was assured, as they all do, it's safe, 100% guaranteed it easy. No, no, and no. And so based on this advice, he opened an account for $25,000 without investigating. And to his delight, he made a decent amount of money very quickly. So he decided to add another $25,000 because the friend encouraged him to do even better. If you put in more, you'd, you'd have a higher return. So he did. And before long, the screenshots were showing Mr. Chen that his account was now at $560,000. $50,000 investment, $560,000 in his account after just a couple of weeks. So he decided it was time to pull out a little bit. And he wanted to take out his initial $50,000 investment. So he got the runaround for a couple of weeks from quote unquote customer service. And then they finally told him that he would need to withdraw the entire amount and pay a 5% overseas handling fee, which would have been $28,000. Couldn't take it out of the money in his account. He had to send them fresh money to pay this. And that's when he realized he was dealing with criminals. And what they would have done, of course, is if he had fallen for this, he would have sent them $28,000 in new money, and then they would have cashed him out, and he would have had nothing. There would have been, there would have been nothing there. So he would have been out his $50,000 plus another $28,000. Um, and he knows that this has gone forever. He's never going to see it again. He filed complaints with the Hong Kong police, the FBI, the BBB. But quite frankly, in the digital world, Nick, as you know, when it's gone, it's gone. And, and that's, you know, it's just really terrible that that could happen. And, and how do people protect themselves from this kind of thing? Um, you know, I mean, I, it's it, to me, as I mentioned before, Herb, all of this, this whole the Bitcoin, yep. cyber currency, all that stuff, it seems like a it just seems like a mystery to me that I don't want to dive into. Right. Um, and I'm not captain investment anyway. I've never been, a, you know, I've never been a big like investment guy. Uh, it all seems kind of confusing to me. Um, I try to keep it as simple as possible. You know, with me, it's like if I have my money, I like to keep it. That's kind yeah. of the way. That's yeah. kind of the way I am. But how do people protect themselves if they're interested in in, in coming? And now, by the way, Herb, um, mm -hmm. now uh, Larry David is doing commercials. You yes. know, uh, for for bit, you know, for bitcoins and 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 cyber, you know, like currency, and it's become that big. It's that big that now, like Super Bowl commercials are dedicated to it. It's a legitimate thing. Yes. Um. And you know, you got a guy like Larry David who doesn't need to make commercials at all. You know, mm -hmm. the guy's got Seinfeld money, so it's not like he needs to <laughs> he needs to do this. But you get a big name like that, these big commercials, people are like, well, maybe I should invest. Uh, you know, what 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 precautions yeah, should people sure. take? Well, first of all, I actually wrote about that in one of my stories that because of the Super Bowl and all the crypto companies that bought time, crypto has now gone mainstream. It's not this wacky yeah. thing that crazy yeah, yeah. people do. It's like a, a main thing. Of course, yeah. none of those spots talked about the risks. They all talked about it was the fear of missing out, FOMO, and that's what's going on here. People, they, they want to get on the train and that's what these emails and text people get or whatever get on the train now you know you don't want to miss out this is the next hot thing and that's what this the con artists are, are playing on that you're going to invest without thinking i think you made a really good point and something i've always heard from investment people if you don't understand it don't put your money in it 
You can't yeah. invest in something you don't understand. And I dare say, and I'm a smart guy, and I read a lot of stuff, and I don't understand cryptocurrency. I mean, I sort of do, you know, in my mind, but it's like it, it doesn't make any sense. And the fact that it's unregulated and people think that's a good thing, I think that's a terrible thing because there are no regulations. There's nowhere to go if there's a problem, et cetera, et cetera. But to answer your question, I think the first thing, Nick, and, and I always hate to make the victim be, you know, pay for this thing or point the figure at the victim, but a lot of this has to do with greed. You know, stop being so greedy. You can't get a hundred percent return in two days guaranteed. There's no such thing. Yeah. And anybody who tells you that in, in a world of investment, especially investments in stocks or gold or crypto or whatever, you know, if you want a guaranteed return, put it into a US savings bond. But anything else, it's risky. The higher the risk, the higher the return potential, the higher the risk, and you could lose everything. And nobody can guarantee you a return with these kind of things. And they're certainly not guaranteed and, and no risk and easy. So that's number one. If you're going to buy any kind of investment, whether it's cryptocurrency or not, make sure both the person selling it to you and the firm they work for are licensed or registered in your area where they have to be in order to sell this. And if you don't know how to check it out, Go to Investor.gov. It's really easy, run by the federal government. You can find out if they're registered or licensed as they have to be. Investor.gov. And finally, beware of fake testimonials. These things often have testimonials or the videos that they run or the YouTube from people who either are paid to say it worked, people who are completely fabricated. They make up a profile by stealing pictures off of the web and making a story. Or I just got told by the BBB, they now believe that some people who want to get their money are told, we'll give you your money back, but you have to make a video testimonial telling people how good this is. So they're using somebody who was scammed who wants to get their money back to scam other people. That's not uncommon in the scam world for them to do that kind of thing, but it's, it's just despicable. But that's what's going on now. So you really can't believe this stuff. So check, verify, find out what's going on. And if you go to my story, either on checkbook.org, it's right at the top of consumerman.com. I have all these links in there for you where you can check this out and a lot of resources from the SEC about investments and digital investments and the questions they ask and that kind of thing. It's not something to rush into because your quote-unquote friend told you to do it because you can make a lot of money. That's the bottom line. Yeah. And, and again, just you know, to, to think – sometimes things are just too good to be true. And, and yeah. that's, that's kind of a – isn't that kind of a general – uh, rule, Herb, when we talk about anything, not just cryptocurrency, but scams in general. If it yes. seems too good to be true, isn't it too good to be true? Yes. The, the saying is always, it's probably too good to be true. And I've learned after 40 years of reporting, it is too good to be true. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. that's the bottom. There's no probably involved. Um, you know, just to give you an example of just how ridiculous this is and how people should like just say to themselves, come on. Um, in my story, I, I have an, absolute, an actual text message from somebody that they received that they sent to the BBB and they lost $1,500. And it tells them at the bottom of this text message, Nick, give us $300 and you will have a return of $6,700 daily. Oh, come on. Seriously? No. For, you know, $500, you'll get back $10,000, I guarantee, daily. You know, you should see that and run as far away as you possibly can. And don't say, well, my friend told me, or well, I had it in a text message. You know, we have to realize that in the digital world, everything can be faked and spoofed and scammed. You've got to realize that in the digital world, as we've said before, Nick, there's no undo button. You give them that, that, that money, you give them that Bitcoin to buy stuff, it's gone. Gone forever. You can file as many complaints as you want. You're never going to see it again. You have to be smart enough to protect yourself. You really yeah. do.
Yeah, you do. And and again, I mean, you know, uh, or just stay away from it. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. kind of what I've been doing. I, yeah. You know, if I don't, you know, I mean, you said it, or uh, I, I'm, I'm a very simple man. So I try to stay away from things that are complicated. Sure. In- invest in pizza futures, something you understand. <laughs> sure. I know pizza. Sure. I know that. Yeah, that's that's not a problem at all. Uh, and, you know, cryptocurrency is is in in that story that you were talking about on checkbook.org. But another one is that, uh, you know, are different rules, do different rules apply to cryptocurrency investments in terms of taxes? Uh, you know, what are the rules on that in that regard? Do people owe taxes on cryptocurrency? And you wrote a piece about that on checkbook.org as well. Yeah, a lot of people are wondering, you know, do I owe money on cryptocurrency? So here's the deal. The IRS considers crypto to be property. It's taxed like other investments. So it's like stocks or gold or that sort of thing. So if you sold, exchanged, or used any virtual currency last year, cashing it on an exchange or using it to buy goods and services, the value of that crypto was higher than when you acquired it. Uh, Just like it's a capital gain, just like if you cashed in stocks or sold gold or whatever. So if you bought $50 worth of Bitcoin, it was worth $100 when you sold it. You got capital gains of $50, and there will probably be tax consequences of the IRS. Uh, long-term, short-term capital gains depends on if you held it for a year or not, uh, that sort of thing. So, uh, And, you know, if you, didn't, if you didn't do anything with it, if you just own crypto and you just held it or you exchanged it between wallets or something like that but didn't actually sell it, didn't realize any kind of gain or capital loss, um, you're even with the IRS. You don't owe anything for those investments. If you did have a loss, by the way, and I'm sure a lot of people did have losses on their crypto because it dropped so dramatically last year, you can actually use those losses as against other capital gains you may have from other investments that you have that did well. So that's the one downside on that. Um, the problem is that crypto, again, because it's the unregulated areas we talked about, you may not get the 1099 forms. You know, at the end of the year, you always get a 1099 form from your brokerage house, or your investment firm to tell you, here's the paperwork you have to give that we gave to the IRS to put on your tax return. You might not get that from the people you bought, even if it's legitimate people, the people you bought the cryptocurrency from. And you need that. Doesn't mean you don't owe taxes on those capital gains. It means you've got to come up with a paperwork for the IRS. So you might be able to get it from the exchange that handled your transaction. Um, there, uh, you may be able to use software that can go, that can import that information from that exchange. Or there are also dedicated crypto tax software ref, uh, programs where you'll be able to square up with the IRS. But you got to, you got to do this. It's not like, oh, I didn't get any form. I, you know, that the IRS is really looking and focusing in on crypto. And there's one question at the bottom of the tax form. And I actually included the image with my story because it's at the bottom, right after you put your name and address and all that other stuff. And it says, at any time during 2021, did you receive, sell, exchange, or otherwise dispose of any financial interest in any virtual currency? Yes or no. And everyone everyone is required to answer this question. If you answer no, no problem. It's assuming you're being honest. If you answer yes, you could be flagging the IRS for extra security, they, a, a scrutiny because they want to look into this kind of thing. So again, if you just held virtual currency in your wallet or account, you just transferred it between accounts or wallets or something like that. Um, but if you sold any virtual currency to cash in or to buy something, then you're in a situation where that's a yes and the IRS uh, wants to know about it and wants to get their cut of the action. Now, you met, you also uh, include in this piece that you wrote a, 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 a blog post from uh, NerdWallet. Yes. Uh, on crypto taxes, which is uh, sort of this uh, – it's, it, it's, like it's like a little uh, – a graph that looks like a calc- – like a, it, it, it calculates your capital gains. Yeah. 
Yes, it can um, help you do that, and, and that's and that's really good. And NerdWallet also has information in that story about the, the different programs uh, that can help you do, do the crypto taxes that do that kind of thing. So they uh, they looked very deep dive into that. So I put them uh, with a story. Yes. Yeah, NerdWallet is Nerd NerdWallet's a great is a great uh, is a great thing, good folks. Isn't it? Yeah, good folks. Yes, one of my dear friends, uh, Liz Weston, writes for them. She used to be uh, with the uh, big newspapers. I think the LA Times, some other people, and she uh, writes a column every week, and it's absolutely so rock solid information. Yes, I use them all the time. The vibe that you get from yourself and from people about cryptocurrency, it's here to stay now, right? And it's 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 now that you've said it's mainstream, you know, I mean, and the Super Bowl commercials and other things have proven yep. that. Um, and uh, we are all going to have to learn about it. And not just like, I mean, just, uh, you know, us regular people, but also you guys, you professionals. It's like, okay, this isn't a fad. This is a real thing. And now we've got to all get together, learn about it and help people with it. Yes, I think uh, you're right. Oh, I got I got to turn my no, let me turn my that's, outlook off. I'm that's sorry okay. about that. You're good. Okay. 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 Yeah, you're right. I think in like the last year or so it went from oh, this is just silly time to man, there's a lot of money being made and lost in this and a lot of people getting into it who shouldn't get into it and we better start dealing with this, which is why I've, I've written like three or four five crypto stories like in the last couple of weeks because that's all anybody's, you know, talking about in the investment world and they see which gives them an air of confidence, they see things like there are now banks that are getting into it, credit card companies are getting into it. Um there uh you know, some people you can get your rewards back in uh, in cryptocurrency. Um, you know, there are there are just so many opportunities now and so many forms of cryptocurrency. Uh, you know, there were only like two till recently, Bitcoin 2009 and Ethereum in 2015. And now, according to the website Statista, there are 10,000 cryptocurrencies worldwide. 10,000. Wow. You know, and some of them are little tiny dinky things. But, you know, that can be a sales pitch, too. You know, we're the new kid on the block. And sure. you can really, you know, why, why invest in the, the Bitcoin who everybody's already made their profit kind of thing. So uh, the regulators are really taking a look at it. And I think that... Um, that there's going to be possibly some kind of regulation that just somehow, if you're going to sell it, if it's going to be companies that sell it, they've got to have some kind of regulation because that's where a lot of people are going to get burned. They're never going to stop the scammers and people yeah. have to be really serious about that. But I know like the SCC, for instance, they're really, really concerned about the number of people that are getting burned by this. And, and you know, and it's, it's lost money. So that's money that when you give it to the conners, that's money lost from the economy. I mean, yeah. you're not going to make a profit. You're not going to spend it. You're not going to use it. It's like gone in the hands of, you know, some crook in russia or you know slovakia or wherever they're you know hong kong wherever they're doing it from and that, that you know doesn't come into the u.s economy you know yeah well it's it, you know it's something that we need to be vigilant about uh you know and uh, uh you know it just it, it just adds to the complications of things and, and but again you can always check out consumerman.com if you have any questions or anything like that and these two stories about uh uh the uh the cryptocurrency are uh, those are your two? Are, are those the two latest stories that you've written, Herb? Uh, yeah, for, those for are the Board? those are the two big things on cryptocurrency right now. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so. all right. Well, uh, another thing uh, that we should talk about is you know obviously in the news for the past five weeks with the uh, with the war uh, in Ukraine and the invasion. Yep. Uh, this uh, is not only a big story in terms of what's happening in the world and uh, it, there, but it also uh, you know it also has something to do with uh, uh, cybersecurity. Uh, this this whole thing and it's sure. you know there's 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 a risk of russian cyber attacks there's also a risk of of, of cyber attacks that have been escalated and yeah, i love this term that you use in the piece that you wrote and it's it's things that we should be concerned about because th these things are on a rise now and and one of the reasons why is because of the conflict in ukraine um but you mentioned a, a thing called consumer hygiene 
Computer now, hygiene. I, computer hygiene. I'm sorry, yeah, consumer yes. hygiene. No, that's me. That's a whole different thing. That's just that's just that's showering. Washing your, that's yeah, washing that's, your hands after you go to the bathroom. That, that's showering in general is <laughs> right. what it is. I, okay. No, I yes, as you mentioned it like such an idiot. Yeah. Computer hygiene, which is a term that I love, uh, and we should all be a little bit more aware of our good computer uh, hygiene. Yeah, you should always be aware because there's attackers all over the world. But the, with the risk of some kind of hijack, uh, some kind of you know hijacking situation, some kind of cyber threats from Russia, if, if Putin decides to turn on us because he's upset about the war, um, it's really more important than ever that you protect your both your personal and your corporate uh, computer systems. And uh, one of the biggest problems that is taking place right now is that people are not updating their software when these software updates come out. You know, a lot of times a software update has to do with uh, things that make it more productive or easier to use or a better interface or whatever. But, but almost all the ones you get from your software people, that's your operating system, so from Apple or Microsoft or whatever, or from your apps, uh, are gonna, or, or from your computer company, like I get my uh, updates all the time from Dell, or for security reasons. They found uh, a, uh, a hole, a window, a backdoor, or something that a criminal can use, and they want to close it before they can use it. In some cases, they're closing it because it's already being used. So you can't put off these updates. And a survey that was done by uh, our good friends at um, the uh, uh, Identity Theft Resource Center found out that so many people are not doing that. They are not updating their uh, software when they, they should. And that's just leaving your the big hole. I mean, it's like having a condom with a big hole in it. If I can put it any way that it gets a picture to everybody, it's, sure. it's, it's no protection whatsoever. And, you know, a lot of people, well, I get bothered when I, you know, I got to stop for 20 minutes, a half an hour, let it do its thing. You don't have to do it that second. You can uh, put a note on your calendar on your desk. As soon as you're done your work day, you're going to go down and have lunch or you're going to go do the wash if you work from home. Just say now, do it and, and, and reboot the computer. But um, you've got to have these set up for automatic you know, let the computer do it automatically, have them go in there, because if you don't, you're really opening yourself up to vulnerability. And what they'll do is, you know, th if they can get onto your computer, you probably won't know it. You know, in the old days, we used to say to people, well, if your computer's acting sluggish or something's going on, there's enough horsepower in our computers these days that they can be in there doing their dirty work and we don't know it. And what they want to do is they want to make your computer a bot, a robot. And then what happens is if they launch a denial of service attack, which is what the Russians did before they went into Ukraine, they they did a denial of service attack, which is all these computers all at once are bombarding the websites of whatever websites they want to shut down, and they get so much traffic that the websites have to shut down. That's a denial of service attack. So if they can get enough computers affected in America, they can turn these bots on all at once and say, hey, target... I don't know, Microsoft, Apple, uh, your local power company, the Treasury Department, whatever they want to do, and they will have so much traffic coming in all at once that they'll shut down. And that's the that's the cyber attack. That's what they do. So you've got to make sure you're up to date with all of your software, including security software, if you have it, because you don't want your machine turned into a bot that can do something like that. It's just it's just something that is a real threat right now that the Russians may decide to do something like that. And there are other things that you mentioned in this uh, in this article um, about the cyber attack uh, escalation, and uh, you you do show uh, you know you talk about this a lot, Herb, where they they clone what looks like uh, they'll they'll take the logo of like a well mm -hmm. what you have here in the article is this incredible uh, uh, notice email a phishing email that is supposed to look like it comes from Chase Bank, and it looks really like it came from Chase Bank, and and I got it, it came to my email. 
And 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 how does one get, f- look at it and go? You know, I mean, because you you posted it here in the in the article. Yeah. Yep. Um, but man, they look, th- that looks real. That looks legit. That looks like it came from chase. Yeah. And you know what I mean? It, 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 boy, it just keeps getting more difficult and difficult. What are to, to, to delineate the, you know, the difference between these fake sure. things and these real things. That's why I wanted to show it. Um, because in the old days we used to say, and some people say, well, look for typos and look for grammatical errors. No, these people know what they're doing now. They copy the logos. They put everything in there. What this one says is identity verification required. They usually have some kind of urgency so it says your account has been closed your account has been compromised there's something wrong verify your identity or contact us right now and we'll either yeah. give a link or in this one it says verify um and if you and you see this and you don't look the first thing i look at when i get one of these is i look at the uh the address it's coming from and almost in every case like this one didn't come from chase.com it came from like bobflowers or gmail.com or something somebody's email they had hacked so that's your first giveaway that is not coming from Chase Bank, although they can spoof them and make them look pretty close. But that's number one. But number two, realize that your bank would never send you something like this and ask you to verify your information. So right away, you know that it's not from your bank or your credit card or whatever it is, your credit union. If it looks legitimate, it looks like it is. If you click on that link, Nick, one of two things will happen. It will either instantaneously download malicious software into your computer secretly that will either steal all of your information or turn you into one of these bots if that's what they're trying to do. Um, Or it will send you to a website that looks every bit like the Chase website. In some cases, they just clone them. They take the website, and then you think you're logging on to your Chase website. You're going to put in all your credentials, and they'll be able to snag your credentials doing it this way. If you're not sure if you get any alert like this and you're not sure, contact the institution at the number or you know, URL that you know is, is a legitimate. So if you have a problem with Chase Bank, go to chasebank.com and then do a chat or talk to them or call the number on the back of your credit card or whatever. Don't use any information on the email because... And there have been cases I reported on where they'll have an 800 number calls at this number if you have any questions. And it's the con artist running an 800 number. And they'll answer, hello, Chase Bank. Right. You know, so you've got to learn to verify. You know, I I think I told you the story that once I had a call that came in from Capital One. They thought there was fraud on my account. And I said to the person I was shopping at the time, and I said, I real thank you. I have no idea who you are. And uh, I will hang up now and call back the number on the back of my credit card. And I did, and it was legit. They were trying to let me know it wasn't a problem, as it turned out. But if that had been a con artist right then and there, I'm in shopping, I'm on a rush, I'm not paying attention. Yeah, here's my account number, here's my PIN number, whatever. You can't do that kind of thing. And and by the way, a legitimate organization, Nick, will never ask your PIN number. They have it. They know it. You never have to give it to them. Anybody wants your PIN code? Yeah. That's a con artist. They, they have it. You don't need it from you. Yeah. Yeah, that well, yeah, exactly. I would never do that anyway. I just think that, but but again, you know, this this if you check out this uh, this article at checkbook dot uh, org, you do include that notice that you received from Chase, and man, it looks legit. It's it. Yep. This is just not. It's this is not. Uh, this is not something that looks cheap and stupid. It looks legit. And a couple of other things in this area. The number. Another tip I gave was you need to be prepared for the worst. Have your. It's more important than ever to have your material backed up. Either have an external drive at your house, have it backed up in the cloud, whatever you want to do, because if there's an attack and they decide to launch a ransomware attack and lock up your computer and everything in your life is locked up in that computer, you really do, you're going to be out of luck, quite frankly. So uh, I have both. I have a backup computer uh, in my office that backs everything up and I have it in the cloud. So if I'm traveling, I can grab the information, but you got to make sure uh, that you have that done. And last but not least, these guys, as we've said, are clever. They will send out sometimes messages that say you need to update the software. No 
no computer program on your system will ever send you a text message or social media message or an email saying time to update your software. It comes through your computer. So only click on the uh, uh, updates that come through your computer, part of your software. Don't accept anything that comes in any other fashion because uh, my friend at uh, Sophos, uh, the uh, security people told me that's what they did with people in Ukraine. They actually sent them emails or text messages telling them they had to update their antivirus programs. They were at risk and they did and they compromised their computers. So yeah. this is these are not could be threats. These are like real threats. These are what the Russians are doing right now. You really got to be careful. And one right. thing that is not with the story, but I just want to share with you that I'm doing on my own and I know I'm a little bit more uh, you know, uh, worried about things than a lot of people because of my line of work. But, you know, just remember that if the Russians decide to do some kind of cyber attack, and I think we've all agreed that they're in all kinds of stuff in this country now. I mean, they're in the power grids, they're in the water supply, they, they're, they're in there, and the U.S. government knows they're there, and someday if they, you know, if Putin gets pissed off enough, he can pull the plug on something to quote-unquote teach us a lesson. Um, I just made sure I have some bottles of water in my house, and I just made sure I got a couple of hundred dollars in cash in my house. You know, if the ATMs go down, I don't, I don't let the car get all the way down to empty anymore. Just, just while we're doing this kind of thing, if if something goes down, if he shuts off the electric grid, just think about the worst case scenario, which could happen. Um, where would you be? So I don't go too low on the gas. I keep extra water and some food at the house. I've got some money at the house. Just things to keep in mind because, you know, God forbid the worst happens. You want to be prepared. Yeah. Well, speaking of, uh, you mentioned gas in there. And one of the other things uh, that you wrote a couple of weeks ago uh, in, um, at checkbook.org and everybody's feeling it anybody who drives now is feeling the pinch at the pump right now yep. and it's not like we haven't had gas you know prices shoot up before because i remember back in like 2008 or 9 they shot up uh, at one point to like almost five bucks a gallon so we've we've it, it's been up before and this happens every once in a while and it's bad right now but you do have uh some ways there are three ways that you've kind of uh narrowed it down uh to get you know to to get through this to save money to to get your best deal, the lowest price, best way to pay, and how to get every mile out of your out of your gallon uh, mm -hmm. that you that you put together, and this is something that's immediate to people who drive every day. And what are you, what what's your advice in that regard? Sure. Well, let's start with the find the lowest price. Uh, as as I assume you know, prices really can vary from station to station, even within your home area or where you work. Oh yeah. Um, when yeah. I when I did this story a couple of weeks ago uh, for regular gas near my house, it ranged from four eighty nine to five nineteen a gallon. That's a really big difference. So choosing yeah. the cheapest station right there would have saved me four dollars and twenty cents. Um, keep in mind that unless your car says premium gas required. You do not need to put premium in your car, and it doesn't make any sense to put premium in your car. If it says recommended, recommended means optional. You do not need to do it. Um, but a lot of people think that uh, by putting in, they're going to get a whole lot more mileage or it's better for their car. If you're buying a top-tier brand gasoline, there's no need to, uh, to buy premium gas. Um, you know, these apps everybody use like uh, uh, Gas Guru and Gas Buddy and all this kind of thing in waves to find the cheapest fuel. Yeah. So I, w I was just wondering, I mean, I literally asked the question out loud, how accurate are these things considering how quickly prices are changing at some stations three, four times a day? So what I did is I got the two apps, uh, Gas Buddy and Gas Guru, put them on my phone, asked a few friends to check it out. We did Seattle. We did uh, Washington, D.C., Minneapolis, St. Paul, Philly, Sacramento, and San Francisco. We recorded the prices shown on the apps and compared them with what were at the pumps. 44 stations in these five metro areas. 
Overall, the apps had the wrong price about half the time. That's flipping a coin. Mm. So I, I would have expected it to be better than that. Gas Buddy had the wrong price at 18 of 44 stations, off 5 to 10 cents a gallon. The biggest discrepancy was 24 cents too high and 14 cents too low with a mm. full fill up that's dollars. Gas Guru had the wrong price at 19 out of 44 stations, mm -hmm. 6 to 10 cents off, but the biggest discrepancies were 20 cents too low and 20 cents too high. Um, so, uh, and in some cases, I saw that on the listings, the listings were really stale. I mean, 16 hours to two days old. You can't rely on information because do you know how these work? They expect people to, when they go to the station, put in what the price is. So it's not, I thought they had like special hookups to all the gas stations across the country. They're relying on people filling oh, up okay. to report the prices. That's oh. how it works. Mm -hmm. And in the old days when they didn't change that often, maybe once a week, it was fine. But when they're changing now all the time, so look at, it's not like these things are bad. And I, I even spoke to the head guy at Gas Buddy and he says, yeah, gas prices are changing very quickly. We got volunteer spotters. We're doing our best to keep up with it just look at how old it is if it's three hours old it's probably an accurate price if it's 16 hours old or two days old uh i wouldn't drive out of my way to go to that gas station it probably uh you know is not an accurate price so that's right. that one um when it comes to paying um you know, a lot of stations uh, still offer a, a cash discount for paying in cash 10 to tw uh, 15 cents a gallon that can add up if you've got a big truck or a big full up sure keep in mind and i asked people this nick and they didn't know this they thought a debit card payment was a cash payment not at those machines. That is not considered a cash payment because they're using the, the electronic exchange system just like they use on a credit card payment, and they have to pay a charge for that. Wow. So cash is cash. Cash is not a debit card. Keep that in mind. Um, and if you use a credit card, make sure you get the biggest payback. You know, there are gas station rewards cards. There are there are uh, stores that there are credit cards that have rewards you know figure out what makes the most sense for you the gas station cards are usually five or ten cent a gallon discounts these days with the prices as high as they are if you get a credit card that's giving you five percent off you're probably going to be a whole lot further ahead than if you have a, a five or ten cent a gallon discount from the gas station or do what your friend the consumer man does and i stack discounts so I buy gas at the Safeway near my house because it's real close and it's always less expensive than stations in the area. Safeway is one of the many stores. I know Kroger's sells uh, gas and Sam's Club and, and, and Costco, but Safeway is right near me and it's always yeah. the lowest price in the area. When I checked yeah. a week ago or so, it was 55 cents cheaper than major brands down the street. So right there, I'm saving money. And then I use my rewards points. I usually get a dollar off a gallon. That's $13 a fill up. And then I pay with my rewards card and get 2% cash back on that. That is the power of stacking discounts. There you go, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on having them pay me for a fill-up. I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> uh, but there are ways that you can actually, uh, you know, uh, actually save at the at the pump. Um, yeah, it, it just people need to people need to be aware. Yeah, uh, and then just okay. drive efficiently. I mean, literally, your car burns less gas if you stick to the speed limit and drive smoothly. So Jack Rabbit, Rabbit starts and stops, as we all know, yep. is going to burn gasoline. But how quickly you drive, how fast you're going, will also affect that. The auto experts at Consumer Reports, they went driving with a Nissan Altima and a Toyota RAV4. They went a steady speed, 55, 65, and 75 miles an hour. They found that the penalty for cruising at 75 rather than 65 was Almost seven miles a gallon in the Ultima and six miles a gallon in the RAV4. Slowing from 65 to 55 improved fuel economy by six MPG in the Ultima and eight MPG in the RAV4. Putting that another way, speeding up from 55 to 75, get this, is like moving from a compact car to a large SUV. So 
Keep wow. that in mind. You drive slower, you're going to use less gas. And then keep your car aerodynamic. You know, the the, uh, the bike rack on your car, if you have something like that, is really going to cut the, the mileage dramatically. I mean, you could you could lose 13, 14 miles, uh, 13, uh, you know, 7 to 13 miles a gallon consumer reports found. Even if you have the bike rack on and no bikes, that's that's going to create drag as well. So, A, don't have the bike rack on if you're not, not going to have bikes on there. And only have the bikes on there if you're actually going to take them someplace. Just don't drive around with it because you'll really reduce your mileage doing yeah. it. All right. Okay, uh, Herb. Um, always a pleasure. What are you working on? Uh, what are you working on next uh, that that we could either see at consumerman.com or checkbook.org? Well, my birthday. Ah. <laughs> Herb's going to go away to celebrate his birthday, but. Uh, <laughs> Coming up next, we have a new episode of Consumerpedia. That's the uh, cons- uh, the uh, Checkbook.org podcast, and that's coming out. That comes out on the seventh of April, the day after my birthday. So that's going to be April the seventh, and it's going to be all about electric vehicles. You know, that's something that they're just starting to get to to the right phase now. A whole bunch of new models are coming out for twenty twenty three. Does it make sense for you? What should we do? We talked to an auto expert at the Detroit Bureau.com and Consumer Reports, and you'll find that on Consumerpedia.org starting on April the 7th, or if you sign up for my newsletter on consumerman.com, you'll get it instantaneously from me uh, when we get put things out on the website. There you go. All right, Herb, always a pleasure. Uh, I, I know that you're going away. You're going to the Grand Canyon. You're having a birthday trip. Have a great time. It's always a pleasure, and we will talk to you uh, at the beginning of May, my friend. Should I get out safely? We will absolutely do that. Thank you'll you, be Nick, fine. <laughs> you'll be fine. All right, Stay Herb, thanks for, thanks for everything, buddy. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Take care. There you go. Herb Weissbaum, who is uh, one of the best. Uh, He is Consumer Man. Check out ConsumerMan.com, and all the articles that we talked about are available at checkbook.org. Be smart. Take care of yourself. And now, For the People continues. We were just talking about cars. Well, we're going to dive headfirst into the world of cars with our good buddy, Tom Appel. Tom Appel. We're going to talk about cars still. Tom Appel. Yeah, that's good, man. The incredible Jason Skaggs, and that's our official theme. That means it's car time. That means it's time to talk cars with Tom Appel from Consumer Guide Automotive. Uh, He joins us uh, every first Tuesday of the month, uh, and you just heard uh, Herb Weisbaum as part of For the People. Tom, you gotta still, you gotta love that theme I do. song. Don't I'm you? still, I'm still thrilled by it. Uh, it, it will never get old. <laughs> uh, Jason's amazing, dude, man. He really is, uh, and his turnaround is so fast. He's so incredibly awesome. creative. It's like, hey, I need this, and then like a half an hour later, <laughs> boom, he'll give me like you know a, a, a treasure trove like the Tom Appel theme. So, so cool. There you go, the great Jason Skaggs. Tom, how you been? Very buddy? well, thank you. All right, cool. Uh, give everybody the the legits, you know, like uh, tell us all about Consumer Guide Automotive and all that cool stuff. And Yeah, if you're looking for a new car or a truck, please check us out at ConsumerGuide.com. We have a list there we call our best buys. You'll want to check those out because that's a good place to start your test drive list. Uh, but if you just want to have some fun, you can check out our podcast, which you can stream on the website or find any place. That's the Consumer Guide Car Stuff podcast. And for fun stuff, some of which we'll talk about today, you can just check out our blog, which you can get to from ConsumerGuide.com. That's great. Consumer Guide been around since right around the time we were, yeah, what, born? Yeah, 1967. Yeah, so it's a couple of years just younger a little than bit. you and I. 
Yeah, there you go. And there you go. Consumer Guide Automotive and check it out at consumerguide.com. Uh, and, uh, and it's really a lot of fun. We got some, uh, uh, great car stuff to talk about, uh, which we will get to in a second. We've got some emails that we're going to get to that we are answering again. If you have any car related questions for Tom, you can email us nickdpodcast at gmail.com, or you can leave a voicemail as well at 773-417-6948. Uh, I always ask you, Tom, uh, it's a month in between visits with you. What have you been driving? What are you driving now? And give us, I, a I'm driving something interesting. I'm driving the Honda Passport. Uh, the 2022 Honda Passport, which is Honda's MIDI crossover. It slots between the big pilot and the little HRV. But what's interesting about it is this is the Trail Sport edition. And for people who have not been paying attention, every manufacturer now seems to need to have an off-roady version of all of their crossovers. So Subaru's got something mm. called uh, um, the Wilderness. Ford's got something called the Timberline. And now, now Honda has Trail Sport, which they're trying out on this car. So you get beefier looking wheels and tires, a little bit of orange trim, some contrasting stretching, stitching in the interior, and a higher wheel, uh, like ride height. It kind of looks a little bit beefier, a little bit tougher, but that really sells. People seem to love that stuff. Wow, cool. And so it's been fun to drive? Or no, it's perfectly or fine. If, if you like a Honda crossover, you're going to love this just fine because it doesn't feel any different. It just looks a little beefier. You get a little cred. You get a little okay. cred when you buy that thing. <laughs> All right. On this from Vin Diesel, we'll yes. give you a wink. Something like that. <laughs> passport, huh? Now, why do you think they call it a passport? Because it's because it are, are you beefier when you have a passport? I don't know. Is it's a legacy like... name. They only brought it back a couple of years ago, but it was around in the 90s when, unbelievably, Honda was selling Isuzu products as its own. Uh, so the passport was was actually oh. a version of the Isuzu Rodeo. Uh, did uh, Joe Isuzu do the he commercials? He did for the Rodeo. He did not do it for the Honda. Yeah. Did he? Yeah. <laughs> You know, you know what we need to talk about yeah. sometime, Tom, uh, is we need to talk about car spokes. That's a good topic. Like, like, like an entire segment, man. I'm not, you know, because you got your Joe Azuzu, you got, all, and then like we're not even getting into the local stuff, like your Burt Wyman. <laughs> Burt Wyman, uh, awesome. And uh, and Harry Harry Schmerler, the singing, uh, the singing. Rocket Ford by man, my right? baby, yeah. Rocket by my baby, <laughs> Slowsley Edelson, man. We could Slowsley Edelson. We could go nuts. That's a good I'm topic. God, that's so much fun. So Joe Izuzu telling us, so the passport, that's what you're driving right now. Easy to easy to find parking spots and easy to do yeah, all that it's, kind of Yeah, it's stuff. a perfectly nice vehicle. It's basically like a shortened bobtail version of the Pilot. So if you don't need that third row and you don't need that added length, this is kind of a nice, uh, kind of a nice crossover. All right, very cool. Anything, uh, anything else being driven around the office? You guys uh, – at uh, Consumer Guide, uh, what, what's the latest on cool cars? Arriving are this week, and we're all very anxious to have this in the real world, is the Hyundai Ionic 5, which is Hyundai's all-electric vehicle that's making a lot of news. Very good-looking vehicle. So we're dying to drive that. That yeah. comes soon. So I'll have word about that next month. Just in a general question yeah. here, Tom, for, for layman's, uh, what, what do you need to get used to while driving an electric car other than just, you know, like obviously, you know, finding a place to charge it up and all that stuff, but the handling, the driving, the experience of driving an electric car, how is it different than driving, a, 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 you know, a regular fuel A couple car? of weird things, mostly sensation, uh, they're, they're very tactile things. One is throttle response and, and that electric car throttle response is immediate. 
So whether or not a vehicle is actually faster in the old school zero to 60 kind of way, it's going to feel quicker because the minute you hit the gas, you move forward, which is super useful in traffic. Uh, the other thing is, is the, you lose the sound canceling effect of a gasoline engine. Gasoline engine spins at, you know, whatever, 1,000 to 5,000 RPM. And, and that does cancel out a lot of sound, so a lot of noise, including road noise. And that is not canceled out by an electric motor, which is off when you're stopped. So it's very weird to hear Ooh. traffic around you at a stop sign. I bet, man. Does it? Does sometimes when you first start, now you're used to it. You've been driving electric cars. They've been around for long enough for you to be used to, you know, driving them. I mean, you drive an electric car. You're going to be driving one this week at some point. But at first, was it like? Is the did you try to restart the car? Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> people who had driven um, hybrids that were especially, um, especially full functioning, like the Prius, for example, would have experienced this too, because a Prius, a Prius will go. Uh, up to 20 miles an hour without engaging the motor. So you have the same effect there. So if you've driven a hybrid, wow. you kind of know what's going on here. Geez, that's so weird. I can't imagine that. I mean, I haven't driven a car in a very long time, and, and, and clearly there were no electric cars at that time and no self-driving either. So to get in a car that's not making any noise and driving by itself, my head would It's a explode. little weird. It, it takes some getting used to. <laughs> I can what was it? Uh, it? I'm trying to remember now. Wasn't there something you know? Like I love the the futuristic sci-fi movies and the and 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 how cars evolve in the future. Um, in those movies, like didn't uh, Total Recall they had like the yeah. cabbie, right? Didn't they have the? Yes. Wasn't that voiced by John Cleese? I, wish... I think it was. I yeah. think it. I, you know what? I think you're right. I think it was John Cleese. But wouldn't that be awesome to just like? I know we're going to have like these self-driving cars and blah blah blah. But like, wouldn't it be cool to have like a robot Uber driver? Hi, what are you doing? You know, and have the. I, I would think it would, would be great. great. Sadly, I don't think we're going to get the robotic driver. I think we're just going to get the voice command, which is a bummer. Oh, damn it! <laughs> now you've heard about uh, this isn't this isn't a car thing, but you've heard that they've hired Flippy Two at at White Castle. No. Flippy 2 is like a big electronic robot arm that will flip burgers so they don't have to pay people, you know, $6 How an hour. How did I miss that? No, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. My question is, where's Flippy 1? What the hell happened to Flippy 1? <laughs> Something must have happened to Flippy 1. I don't know, because they've hired Flippy 2. Where, where do robots go to drink and tell their sad story? That's, <laughs> That's a good question. That's where you're going to find yeah. Flippy 1. Flippy 1 right now is like, I used to be able to flip burgers at the White Castle. <laughs> My cousin Flippy Two is in there now, so anyway, all right. Well, I don't know what that has. To, well, I just—it's a robot thing, but it has nothing to do with cars. Although there are robots who are driving cars, and uh, and all of uh, and all of that. All right, so that's what's been—you've been driving lately uh, uh, in the office, and that's been the talk. Uh, and you'll let us know uh, what the new uh, Hyundai oh, yeah. is like. Oh, yeah. Correct. I'm very Next excited. Time. Right. Very cool. People are excited about. It. Why are people so excited about this one specifically? Uh, Hyundai does sell an electric vehicle already. It was called the Ionic. They've, they've rebranded how they're using the word Ionic, and that's I O N I Q. Uh, so irritating spelling, oh, okay. irritating, irritating <laughs> branding. Uh, but this vehicle is is seriously high tech. It uses an eight hundred volt charging system. It's got almost three hundred miles of range. It's extremely attractive in a very modern way. Uh, it's this is kind of like the the cutting edge of affordable EV right now. Mm, okay. All right. And Ionic, isn't that, uh, if you add pentameter to it, isn't that like Shakespeare can drive that car? <laughs> yeah, or am I... That's exactly it. Yes. Ionic. <laughs> that's, Ionic. That's the... Yes. 
<laughs> All right. We got some emails. Enough of my idiocy. Uh, let's get to some uh, some subscribers who have uh, a couple of emails that have been sent to us. First, a fun one that I want to get to, and then we'll, we have an actual question from a listener. But uh, Waukegan J. Yeah, man, Waukegan J. Doesn't he sound like a morning zoo sports guy? Yeah, man, Waukegan J. Uh, he says, hey, uh, listen, Nick, not that you... Uh, Nick, or car guy Tom Appel, we're losing sleep over it. But here is a picture of a Bondi, Bondo body filler that's currently available at Harbor Freight. <laughs> and I am holding I will forward this to you, Tom. It is a picture of Bondo, a big jug. It, it, uh, I'm trying to see how much, how much is in there. I can't really see what, because I printed it out instead of like being able to make the picture bigger on my phone. I don't know how big it is. The container, it looks like, you know, like a big, sort of a, a pretty good size, a pretty good size jug. Like a, it looks a little bit smaller than a paint can, like okay. a regular size paint can. Smaller than that. And it says Bondo Body Filler Relendor Pair. Oh, that's a, that's obviously a, 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 a translation. Uh, there's your, how to use it. There's warnings. And the picture on the, the, there's like a drawing on the, on the, on the, on the label. And it looks like uh, it looks like a hearse on the lay <laughs> on the label. Wow! So body filler. Maybe that's why it's called <laughs> a body filler because it's a hearse. How much do you think this bucket of Bondo is going for? The the, the he, he he took it. He took a picture of it at uh, Harbor okay. Freight, which I assume is in Waukegan because he's Waukegan J. But he took a picture of it on the shelf, and the tag on the shelf is in the oh, picture. So you can see the price. How much do you think? Okay. And again, yes, I can see the price. And I, I and again, I can't really make out uh, how big this is or how how much Bondo is in there. But it doesn't look like a giant right, container. Mike, so it looks. I'm going to guess based on the on the gallon idea, and I'm going to say it's 19.95. Wow, it's 29.99. A little expensive. So thirty bucks for a bucket of Bondo. It's still out there, though. Yeah, you know? and no one was ever good at using it. Nope. With the last time that we spoke of Bondo, I told you about my friend's uh, Maverick <laughs> yes. that was in, almost made entirely of Bondo. And then you said that your dad was a big Bondo dude, You know, too. I talked to my dad last night, and I forgot to ask him, but I'm almost sure that the rear fenders of our 74 Valiant were mostly Bondo. Listen, if you have Bondo pictures, if you're if you are a, a a subscriber or listener or whatever, and you've ever you can dig up some car pictures from your past that involve Bondo, the special. Well, I mean, what do you call it? It says body filler, but that's basically what it is. You could basically take whatever is rusted out on your car, slap some Bondo on it, and it, it'll look like crap. Yeah, you work. used to you used to take a, like a spatula or something and fill into dents. <laughs> right. And then you would sand those down, let them dry, <laughs> and then paint right over it. And one of the jokes was you, that you were adding so much weight to your car <laughs> that you were hurting your fuel economy. It's fantastic. Well, anyway, it's out there. And if, if anyone has Bondo pictures, we'd love to see them. I'd love to share them with Tom. Nick D podcast at gmail.com. But uh, Waukegan J wanted to let us know that Bondo's out there, 30 bucks for a bucket of it, and it's available at Harbor Freight in case anybody wants to rebuild their cars. <laughs> I'm glad it's still out there. <laughs> All right. It's out there. It's lovely. Uh, so um, I just am amazed that people who listened to it went, people who were listening to our conversation went, oh, I love Bondo. I'm going to go take a picture of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
<laughs> I love that. Okay, are you ready for an actual yes. question? All right. Amanda says, hi, Nick. Hi, Tom. Um, I keep getting offers from the dealer to sell back my 2017 Camry for more than I paid. I don't think I will since I need a car to drive and I don't want to buy a more expensive car. But if I were to sell it back, what do I need to get the car ready? Is it worth it to get it detailed? What about slightly scratched up paint and my not so fine uh, from my not so fine drive? Well, obviously, Tom Bondo. Is the- <laughs> yeah, if a dealer is trying to buy your car, there's probably nothing you need to do to prep that car for sale. If it was a private party sale, obviously, I appeal matters. I keep getting the same letter about my daughter's 2014 Nissan Juke that, that the dealer that sold it to us now wants back. And they're offering us what we paid for it then which is insane and it's, it's compelling, but we need a car. There's, it doesn't help us. Yeah. Well, what, okay. Now here's a, this is a, just a, I am I an idiot or what? Why are dealers saying we want your, we want this car back. And you know, like a 2017 Camry, according to Amanda, more than they paid for it, according to you, as you, your daughter's car, which is what, seven years yeah. old, eight years old. They want to pay what you paid for it. I mean, what's going on? Why? Yeah, the car shortage is affecting new cars as well as used cars, and dealers can sell that. Uh, And one of the things that's happening at dealerships, too, is is the shortage of used cars is fairly profound because dealerships, people probably don't know this, make more money on used car sales than they do on new car sales. And they do more volume with them, too. And because there's a car shortage and no cars at all are being put into rental fleets, uh, there are no cars coming out of rental fleets, which is the primary supplier for used cars at dealerships, that and trade-ins. So there is a profound shortage of used cars at the retail level, and, and dealers are scrambling to find cars, and they will sell them for a lot of money. Wow. All right. Okay. So it's not like it – well, I, what people need to realize, uh, maybe, maybe we should you know, make this clear, is that this woman – who is uh, getting a note from the dealer saying that they want their that car back? This is not a recall. Right. Now, some people might, you know, some people. Let's make that clear, right? This is just a dealership trying to get the car back so that they can make a profit on it, not like a government recall where the where the you need to get exactly. The car back. There's nothing wrong with the car. They just want to sell it, so they want to buy it back from you. And if you have a car sitting around that's relatively new, this is the time to sell it. If you're not using it, if it's just sitting there. I don't know who okay. does that. But. All right. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. I got one sitting outside. been sitting there for three months. I haven't touched it. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for the gas to go down to $2 a gallon before I go out there. So anyway. Um, so uh, here's, a, here's a question for you, Tom. Gas prices yeah. right now. Um, how, are most people, how are most people dealing with it just on a general level? This is something that touches every driver who has a car now, the, the, the amount that people are paying per gallon. Yeah. For gas. People aren't dealing with it on the... On the Sort of on a macro level, it doesn't seem like people are doing that much about it, but complaining. And part of what's going on, too, is because we now don't, you know, the whole workforce is largely working at home as much as they can or as much as they're allowed to. There isn't that much discretion as to whether or not we drive or not. So there isn't that much you can do, actually, to save gas except to be more careful. I wrote a piece once a long time ago about ways that people drive that waste gas. And I can post that again if people want to see it. But it primarily had to do with speeding up and slowing down while you drive, which is a really awful thing to do if you don't want to pay too much for gas. Mm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a concern for a lot of people. Now, you were mentioning as we were uh, talking about uh, Amanda's car and, and how um, 
you know, there's a car shortage. Well, one of the uh, stories that you shared with me, which was from uh, Kelly yeah. Blue Book. So what, first of all, tell me, Kelly Blue Book, do people know about Kelly Blue Book? But this is a website as well that that publishes articles in addition to what they do as just, you know, the Kelly Blue Book to find out how much car Yeah, Kelly is expanded. Kelly's a little bit like Consumer Guide. They're actually much bigger than we are. Uh, forced humility here. But they have a full editorial team and they do track things and they do do some research too that they publish. So really a good resource if you just want to keep up with automotive stuff or find out the price of your car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Kelly recently was talking about the, uh, did an article that I shared with you, Nick, about the chip shortage and and just a yeah. general um, supply chain shortage. And it is crippling the auto industry. The only good news we have right now is that for the past two months and possibly for the past three months, car prices have not increased. They're still ridiculously high, but they seem to have crusted. But for whatever reason, and not all the all the data is in yet, but it looks like March is going to have been an especially bad month for sales. And it's a combination of things, mostly because there are far fewer cars on the ground than there need to be for people to be able to buy what they want to buy. Typically, there's 3 million mm-hmm. cars in the supply chain right about this time of year. There's only 900,000 out there. But there's also some concern wow. that there's some buyer fatigue and some buyers are deciding to sit on the sidelines until things get normal again. Wow. 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 That, I mean, those, are, those, are, those numbers are kind of staggering. I mean, have they, and you said, have they improved at all? I mean, obviously, you know, this has been going on now you know, with the, with the pandemic and everything's been going on for over two years. So, you know, we, you know, we hit the, the two year anniversary of the first lockdown, you know, in February slash March. Um, and, and have the numbers, have, have those numbers gone up or down or how have they changed? March will be years? the worst car sales month of the pandemic. So it's going to be about 13 million something. Actually, that number is probably being published as we speak. Um, so we'll see where that comes in, but it's going to be bad. Next month should be better. General Motors and, and uh, Toyota keep saying that they have better secured a supply chain of chips, but General Motors is also closing down its truck plant in Indiana. So I don't I don't know what's going on there exactly. But it, it seems like the supply chains, no matter how locked down they seem to be for microchips, never seem to materialize. The manufacturers are sent scrambling. It's a very weird situation, and obviously, if you're a chip manufacturer, it's a you know it's a seller's market. And uh, the article here details some of that. What are some of the other details in this article that people might want to know about in terms of how this is affecting you know uh, car production uh, and and how big the microchip thing is now? Like you know, I mean, this is a, this is a this is not like a minor component or part of a car this is a major major thing yeah there's so many micro it depends on the car i've heard as as few as 35 and as many as 120 microchips in a vehicle and one of the things that kelly points out in that article is that cadillac is delivering versions of it i think it was the xt5 and xt6 so it's mid-sized crossovers without heated seats which seems criminal it's a cadillac you would think that the first thing a cadillac would have is heated seats (laughs) Uh, but to get those produced and out the door, they're actually foregoing some options and some features just to keep the supply chain full. Man, oh, man. How much longer do we think this is going to be? Um, I was listening to someone from Toyota this morning on a podcast, and things should – I'm sorry, not Toyota, Volkswagen. Things should normalize this year, but they won't be back to normal. And the quote from um, – Herbert Deese, who's the CEO of Volkswagen, is no matter what happens this year, we will not be able to build as many cars as we could have sold. Oh, man. So now we're looking at 2023 as the first normal year. Wow. Jeez. 
Okay. Boy, it's really taken. I mean, every business has taken yeah. a hit, but man, that's really, that's really huge. That is really huge. So, all right. Well, that, uh, that article, which you sent to me is available at uh, Kelly blue, uh, Kelly blue book. And it's all about the microchip uh, uh, shortage and they keep updating it, right? You can get it. And you guys cover yes, we it do. as well. Yeah. Okay. So you, you can uh, check out all the information that you need uh, on that. You know, you mentioned heated seats, yeah. Tom. Did I ever tell you about the first time I ever experienced uh, heated no, seats? No, I don't think so. Okay. I was in my friend's car and he picked me up. We were doing a play together at the time. And, um, and he picked me up from my place and drove me. We were driving to the theater and I didn't know that he had heated <laughs> seats. I had no idea. And, uh, and it was winter and it was pretty cold out and I get in and, uh, and I'm sitting there and then suddenly I, he, I, without telling me, you know, cause it was, it seemed like a normal thing to do is, you know, it's cold, put the heated seats on. And I started to think that I was having a stroke <laughs> or something. I didn't know that he had, I didn't know, I didn't know he had heated seats and I'm like, what the hell is good? Is it, do, do, is it possible for men to get menopause? What is, what the hell is happening right now? And so it started to heat up, and I was like, what the, whew, man. And then I was like, hey, what's going on? And he's like, oh, yeah, I have heated seats, moron. And I'm like, oh, because it was at that point, it was completely standard. I think the first time I actually experienced heated seats was probably 2003. So it's not like they, it's not like they were brand new at that time. You know? But they were still limited to, to high-end stuff then. Yeah, not common. Okay. Not, not yet right. common. Well, They're common now. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, I just wanted to say that, like, you know, like it would have been nice if he said, uh, I'm turning the heated seat on, so don't think you're having a stroke or anything. <laughs> so that was my first experience with heated seats. Hey, when new things happen in cars, how excited are you? You know what I mean? Like we're just talking about at that time, woo, 2003, that was kind of new. Ooh, it was cool to have heated seats. When they do something new and kind of hip and luxurious – how, how excited do people in the business get and how cool is I, it? I think that everyone, no one wants to admit that this is a cool option. But if you're in the Chicago area or just in the snow belt, one of the greatest things to become common in the last couple of years is a heated steering wheel. What a great option. Oh, that yeah. is so nice. Yeah. And it's not a thing you think you want <laughs> until you use it. And you're like, oh, yeah, I'm a wuss. I need this. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the case with all kind of luxury things. It's like, ah, I don't need that. And then it happens. You go, damn, yeah. this is cool. How did I live without this? You know? <laughs> Actually, Bluetooth uh, connectivity seats, was yeah. like that, too. When when Apple CarPlay and stuff like that started working without a connection and you didn't have to carry a cable with you all the time, that was pretty sweet, too. Yeah. Uh, it's a new world, Tom. <laughs> I, I, I haven't gotten used to it. I haven't gotten used to it. I'm still writing in Sanskrit. I don't know what the hell is happening. Uh, <laughs> hey, how about this? The forgotten concept. You guys like to do this. Talk about forgotten concept, and then we'll get to the Chrysler LeBaron, which is one of my favorite car names of all oh, time. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we do. Uh, actually, I do a forgotten concept thing, and I try to do at least one or two of these a month. And it's just a concept car from the past that didn't really catch fire, didn't seem to influence that much. No one talks about it, or it's just generally forgotten. So I like to dredge those back up and go, hey, this was cooler than you think. Well, what are some of the ones now? We, the, I'm looking at the uh, Chrysler LeBaron Turbine from 1977. A turbine? Yeah, this is such a weird car. And, and there's a lot wrong here that went on for too far, far, far too long. But Chrysler, Chrysler yeah. began its turbine program in the 50s. 
and and for whatever reason they were convinced that the internal combustion engine was not the not the way to go with cars and they were going to develop an alternative fuel system and that was the turbine and and i think the key appeal of the turbine at the time was that it could run on anything gasoline kerosene diesel coal oil whatever you put into it it wasn't picky so I think that was the primary appeal. Hell, you could melt down. You could melt down some bondo, <laughs> right, and pour it right into. You the... Probably could. Actually, there was a joke for a while that you could run it on tequila. So <laughs> it was. It was. But but. And at this point, at this point, tequila is cheaper than gas. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cuervo was actually yeah. Uh, so the uh, turbine program got into the '60s, where they actually were having they had built prototype cars that people were driving. So that was pretty cool. That fell apart because no one really understood what they were trying to do with the turbine program or what the advantage was. But Chrysler kept went on developing this stuff. And into the 70s, when Chrysler started to get into financial trouble, um, they had petitioned the government and received from the government a fund, a, a, an endowment to develop this latest generation of the turbine. And that is the Chrysler uh-huh. LeBaron turbine. Right which is just a regular LeBaron with a really intense aerodynamic front end clipped onto it and a turbine engine. <laughs> you know, I got to say, I'm looking at the picture. It, it's, it's a pretty cool look. I think it's a pretty cool I looking agree. car. I don't know about, I don't know. I mean, I think it's a pretty cool looking car. If you try to describe it to, 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 to someone here, because um, it looks kind of, it looks badass and kind of futuristic actually. Yeah. For 77. Yeah, in, in 80 and 81, Chrysler did its last version of, of the Imperial. And the Imperial looked a lot like this with a wider grill. This has a very pinched grill and very large flip-up headlights. Uh, very yeah. very dramatic, very 80s looking in the 70s. So they called that. I think that this was very predictive of future design. It's pretty cool, man. Uh, and so what happened well, to the Well, the interesting thing. Um, one, I call it a concept car, but because... Chrysler took federal money for this. A decision was made that they couldn't actually take this on the road as a show car because that's not what the money was for. So even though it has the cool design study thing going on, and even though it's got the radical technology, it was never actually shown on the road. So if people don't remember this, that's why. These press photos here came from Chrysler at their proving grounds, and that was it. This vehicle never actually met the media. Is that right? Wow. So, so uh, d- has there been any testimonials ever? Did you dig up any testimonials of people who drove The one? thing about these cars was they were very smooth underway, as a turbine would be, because it's essentially a jet engine. That's, that's how a turbine functioned. But it, do, right. it did power the wheels. Right, right. It wasn't like there was a big jet blowing out the back like a Batmobile. <laughs> Probably, that that would have been, been cool. cool Not though. practical, but it, a lot of garages would have caught fire. But... Uh, <laughs> apparently they worked pretty well the thing was that they were never fuel efficient so i they, there was really nothing going on there this is right between opec oil embargoes so fuel efficiency was a oh, big sure. deal oh god man all right well the chrysler lebaron turbine the lebaron still one of my favorite name. car names of all time oh it's one of the best one of the best you also uh, it, uh if you scroll down a little bit you can also see the uh chevrolet electrovet Yes. What is that? The Electrovet. That was, as it sounds like, an electric Chevette. Um, and there's not a lot going on there technology-wise. It was literally a bunch of six-volt batteries behind the front seat. There was no rear seat in that car. <laughs> Come on, really? And just some cool-looking wheels. Really? 
<laughs> wow, man. God, some of these concepts are unbelievable. That's that's unbelievable. Well, you have a lot of fun with that um, on your forgotten concept uh, uh, section. Hey, you know, you mentioned uh, the turbine and the, the, the you know the jet engine shooting out of the back like the bat. Did you see? Have you seen the Batman yet? Have you I have not, and I know film? you were impressed. I loved it, and I'm not a Batman guy at all. Like I haven't. I mean, you know, for me, Batman is Adam West, and that's about it. And uh, and I kind of like uh, the Tim Burton, the second Tim uh-huh. Burton one. Uh, to Bat- Batman Returns because Michelle uh, Pfeiffer is amazing in it, and it's the least Batman movie ever made because it's a Tim. It's, it feels more like a Tim Burton movie than it feels like a Batman. I love movie, Tim Burton. Yeah, which is probably why I like. So do I. So do I. And I'm not a fan of a. I didn't like the Christopher Nolan Batman movies or any of that stuff. I wasn't looking forward to it. But I wanted to get your take on the Batmobile in the new Batman movie. Has anybody, have you talked to anybody who's seen it about how they feel uh, like about the Batmobile in the uh, Batman? I have not. My, my guy Damon has seen the movie and I need to check with him because he's really into movie cars. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think it's cool. I think it's, I think it's really cool. The thing that I loved about it the most and the thing that I loved about the movie uh, so much was that it, like the, the, all of the, you know, you know how Batman always has these insane like gadgets cause he's a rich guy and he does all these yes. incredible things. Uh, well, this one is just really sort of like he, the bat. The the bat cave is a dump. You know what I mean? And like his his uh, all of the the technical stuff that he has is barely analog. And it's just it and and the car for like a good portion of the of the movie, the car is up on a rack because he's got to work on it. You know? And awesome. I love awesome. <laughs> I loved that. I love that. There's a there's a fantastic chase scene between him and Penguin uh, that that is that involves the. There's one long sequence that involves the Batmobile in it. Um, and then like he crashes the hell out of the Batmobile. And then like later in the movie, you see the Batmobile is up on a rack, like in the Batcave. Like you got to get to that, Bruce, you're going to have to fix that. (laughs) And it feels that way. It's like a souped up car. It's not like this. It doesn't transform into a motorcycle or anything. It's just the souped up car and the motorcycle, you know, how you know, the bat motorcycle. Yeah. It's a regular motorcycle. He wears a backpack and a helmet while he rides it. Like a regular helmet. I love you know stuff I mean? like that. That's awesome. <laughs> Me too. That's one of the reasons why I love the movie so much. It's like, look at his motorcycle, his bat cycle. It's a motorcycle, and he's wearing a regular helmet with a backpack on. <laughs> and I loved that. But I got to get your, I really want to know what you think of this, because I think the Batmobile in the new Batman movie is I'm going to try to see the movie then before we talk next. All yeah, right. it's really good. It's really, really good. Now, your favorite Batmobile, I mean, for me, I mean, it's got to be the TV, the Adam. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was based on a Ford Futura. It was actually based on a Lincoln concept based on the Ford Futura. And we've got a story about that car uh, someplace. But that's a great looking car. Oh, oh my God. I always forget the the name of the guy who designed all those cars. Uh, Oh, the best. Those cars are just the best, man. I mean, he did what is what? I mean, he did some of the he did the the Uh, the monster's car. Yeah. Uh, And grandpa's car. I forgot what that was called. And uh, the monkey mobile. The Monkey Mobile, badass! All the cars that he designed were yeah. just fantastic, and he and they they have them. I still think they. If you can go out to Volo, you can go to the Volo Auto Museum, and I still think those are on. Oh, uh, they might. I think Volo currently has the original Batmobile or one of them. Yeah, so cool, so cool. Now you know. Uh, speaking of watching uh, movies and entertainment, uh, besides you know being the car expert, you are also the star spotter <laughs> for those folks who might not, to the chagrin of your wife and uh, yes. and your kid. 
you are the star spotter. Explain what that is and how you use the social media, Facebook in particular, to let everybody know that you can spot those Part stars. of what's going on here is this is an excuse for me to sit around Saturday mornings for three hours and watch Westerns. But I have noticed, <laughs> now you noticed something that I would notice after you pointed it out. But in terms of Westerns, Gunsmoke, which ran for 20 plus years, uh, is just a, an unbelievably rich place to find great cameo appearances by people you before the careers off. And I keep spotting people yeah. in those, and it's awesome. Like, like uh, one particular episode contained both Robert Blake and Warren Oates in the same episode. Like, this, this is awesome. Oh, so, God. yeah, I'm watching this stuff. I like to take a picture of the TV screen, post it, and just note who I spotted on the show. And then you notice that Perry yeah. Mason, also very fertile ground for guys early in their career. Well, it's a, that's actually not me. That's Rich, oh, okay. Rich Coase. Uh, uh, yeah, Sven it does that. And Sven now, it's become a running gag on his show. Because you know that segment uh, of Sven's show where Rich tells you about the cast yes. of the movie? He'd be like, here's what this person was in, and this person was in this movie. And, th and it got to the point where like every week, at least two or three people in the cast of every movie he was showing had done a Perry Mason. <laughs> so it became, now, now it's a running gag on Rich's show where it's like Perry Mason. Is, yes, Perry Mason's a great one uh, uh, for that. But I love to, to spot those old... Uh, you know, it's funny that you mentioned... Uh, you mentioned Warren Oates because Warren Oates, uh, anniversary of his death yesterday. Oh, years. I didn't know that. Yeah, he died, he died 40 years ago um, uh, as of yesterday was it was the 40th anniversary of, of his death. You know what his last movie was? Warren Oates' last movie? Oh, man. Was it Stripes? It okay, was not Stripes. Know. Yeah, that, That's a good guess. Uh, it was Blue I Thunder. I did not know that. Um, Blue Thunder with the helicopter that had the whisper mode, which is one of my favorite things. <laughs> I remember whisper mode. <laughs> but the helicopter... Whisper mode, man. They're right outside. I don't know there's a helicopter outside my window. You know why? It's in whisper why, mode. Why wouldn't you always use whisper mode? That's a great question, man. Why don't they have whisper mode? Whisper mode. Didn't you don't see we were talking about futuristic stuff, you know, like 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 seat warmers, you know, like seat heaters for your seat. What about a whisper mode? We need a whisper mode. We do. <laughs> All right. Uh now I pointed out I was watching a movie on Saturday as you were watching your westerns I ended up turning on movies uh the movies TV network which is a fantastic network um uh that partners up with you know like all the other networks that uh that they do uh uh with uh, me TV and decades and all that great 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 stuff uh Neil Saban is the guy responsible for programming so many of these great stations that we love to watch because they show the old stuff that we love to watch as well but they showed a movie, and I can't believe you never heard of Emperor of the North. I can't believe you never heard of it. It is now the movie I need most to see. Yeah. Um, and you said you were a Lee Marvin a huge fan. Lee Marvin Well, fan. who isn't? You have a favorite Lee Marvin I movie? I keep watching. Is it? What? Oh, man. Not the Dirty Dozen. What is the Western with, with Lee Marvin and... and uh... Well... He's in a few. He, he won an Oscar for. Oh, Cat I Balloon. can't think of. I feel bad because I can't think of. It's it's a seven. Oh shoot! They it became a stream okay. of movies, but he plays a cowboy who uses a knife instead of a gun. It's fantastic stuff. Okay, all right. Uh, so that so, but Lee Marvin. Um, so so you're a fan of, of the Lee Marvin, and who isn't? You remember, uh, but you do remember uh, Cat Balloon, yes. right? Uh, he actually won the Oscar for that, <laughs> which a lot of people were like, what? 
But anyway, uh, so so anyway, Lee Marvin is in this movie uh, with uh, with the um, uh, with uh, Ernest Borgnine, who can be awesome. Who yes, he can be. Uh, is it? Uh, 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 Liberty Valance, the man who shot Liberty Valance. Uh, that was not what I was thinking, but I forgot about that because he's awesome in that. Yeah, there's that, and I was, I'm trying to. I was trying to look up. Yeah, here, but I was uh, stranger with stranger with a gun. Maybe uh, that one. It's not paint your wagon. No, no, sang, I did just see Donovan's Reef though, where he's very violent. <laughs> he's yeah. He's he's been in a lot of uh, a lot of crazy violent movies. You ever see uh, Point yes. Blank? Classic. Well, anyway, Emperor of the North. Let me just explain to people what this movie is. And you kind of lost your mind when uh, when you saw that this existed because you didn't no, know. No, the about description it. is incredible. It's, well, it takes place in 1933 during the Great Depression, at the height of the Great Depression, and Ernest Borgnine plays this guy named Shack. They call him the Shack, and he runs Engine Number Nineteen, the train. Uh, and this was at a time when uh, hobos were jumping on the train and riding the rails. Uh, during the Depression, and Shaq, played by Ernest Borgnine, prided himself on carrying a hammer and killing all the hobos who try to ride <laughs> who try to ride his train. The opening scene in the movie uh, is the opening scene in the movie is uh, um, is Ernest Borgnine killing a hobo violently with a hammer, and then the train running over his lifeless body. That's the opening scene of the movie, just to set the stage for how badass Got Shaq my attention. is. Robert Aldridge directed it. Robert Aldridge directed Dirty Dozen. Uh, uh, he directed The Longest Yard. Robert Aldridge was one of those cigar-chomping, whiskey-swigging maniac directors. You know, like the you know, like your Sam Peckinpahs, your John Fords. He falls into that category. There are rarely women in his movies. <laughs> uh, in, in The Emperor of the North, there are exactly two women in the entire film, and they're in it for 30 seconds. But anyway, Lee Marvin is a guy named A Number One, and he is he is a, 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 a the hobo who is known to ride the rails. He's the best at it, and he challenges the shack that he can ride the, the this station. He can ride train number nineteen without Shack beating the hell out of him with a hammer and killing him. Um, and uh, an unwanted young pest, a newbie, a, a hobo newbie, played by a very young Keith Carradine, plays like what eventually would end up being his protege. And together they try to to uh, ride the train from someplace to Oregon without getting killed by Shaq. It's fantastic. It is, and and Tom, you would oh, love I know, this. Movie. I know I would. No, I'm going to try to see that very soon. I'm trying to talk my daughter into and wanting I'll to see you, it. Oh, she'd love it. I know. Now, your your daughter and I have very, uh, you know, the, what I know about your daughter, and you know, uh, it, she's come out to one of my couple yep, of my film yep. events, and you know, whatever I talk to you about her and stuff like that. She and I have very similar tastes when it comes to movies. I think, and I think she'd love this movie. I, I really think your daughter would dig it. It's and a she loves movie. dark stuff. So, uh, uh, yeah. Well, this movie, like I said, it opens with uh, Ernest Borgnine smashing a guy in the head with a hammer until he gets run over by a train. That's the opening of the scene. That's the opening. Scene That's really all I need to know. <laughs> I know. And let me tell you this, though. Your star spotter radar will go nuts because it's loaded with character actors. Excellent. You know what I mean? Who have been in everything. And like like 90% of the cast of Emperor of the North 
is also in Longest Yard. They starred with him the next year. <laughs> they were inmates in the Longest Yard. So it's like, it's unbelievable. It's an unbelievable movie. And I'm glad I was able to turn you on to it. It's out there. You can watch it. And I know that if you check out uh, movies, uh, tvnetwork.com, uh-huh. uh, that they repeat movies during oh, the Oh, okay. So, yeah, so make sure you check it out because they'll, they'll repeat Empire, uh, Emperor of the North and check out movies.tvnetwork.com and, and they repeat it. But yeah, anything to make the star spotter happy. <laughs> Tom, that's what well, I'm here for. I appreciate for. that. <laughs> what are you uh, What are you working on next um, for uh, uh, today? Consumer? I'm working on an article called "The Last Old Man Cars." Uh, oh, come on! Which, Wait a minute. What? Come on! You got to tell. Give us a little preview. We'll talk about it in detail next time. Um, Basically, after my father purchased a car last year, I realized that there's almost nothing left for my father to choose from in terms of what he wants in a car, which is a traditional sedan, uh, not four-cylinder, possibly American. The things that that a guy in late 70s, (laughs) early 80s would demand in a vehicle. There's almost nothing left. So that's what I'm going to write about. (laughs) That's amazing. My dad will go nuts. My dad's 80. He'll be 81 in September. Um, And, you know... Uh, that my dad will love that article. He will love it. So working on that and driving new cars and we'll get a report on that. Uh, everybody can check it out one more time. Tell everybody where they can read, where they can do and where they can connect with you. Uh, podcasts. All yeah. Just stuff, go to Tom. consumerguide.com. You can get to everything from there. And if you want to download the podcast, it's available everywhere. And if you want to do us a favor, please, uh, please subscribe and please review it. There you go. All right, Tom. Uh, I appreciate it, man. It's always a blast to talk to you and there'll always be a, a lot more to talk about next month. Uh, on the first Tuesday of that month when we do another episode of For the People. Tom, you're the best. Oh, thanks Thanks for having me. Okay, buddy. There you go. (laughs) Tom, take care. There's uh, Tom Appel, uh, and he's the best. He is your your car guy, and you can check out uh, consumerguideautomotive.com. Always a blast to talk to him. And the whole Star Spotter thing. You know, if you follow him on Facebook, it's a treat to watch him go, hey, look, there's Struther Martin or hey, look, there's a Will, you know, uh, William Shatner. It's fantastic. So anyway, uh, and he will join us again uh, next month for for the people. And you know who else joins us? My dad. My dad loves to tell a joke. He does so every Tuesday. And uh, my dad's the best. And let's hear that. Here it comes. Here comes my dad telling a joke. It's the best part of the week, baby. With your music intro. Ah! It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. What'd I say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Ah, yes! Here we go! That's right. My dad tells a joke. My dad, Nick. Great guy. 80-something years old. No, he's 80. Um, And uh, (laughs) he'll be 81 in September. But he tells jokes. He's been telling jokes his whole life. Everybody loves his jokes. If you want a live joke, my dad bags groceries and has worked at the Jewels for many, many years. Irving Park in Narragansett is the store he works at. If you want to get a live joke from my dad, he'll be happy to tell him. Uh, He's been telling jokes forever, and it's always been a part of anything that I do. I always like to have my dad tell a joke, and it's always a part of the Nick D Podcast and the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Every uh, Tuesday, he tells a joke. Dad, come on in. Tell one. What's a plumber's favorite vegetable? A leek. Get it?
That was jokey, jokey, jokey time. It was a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad told a joke. He did, and he'll do it again next Tuesday right here on uh, the Nick D podcast. Uh, So there it is. We like to end the show with a laugh. My dad rules. Hey, I want to thank my dad for telling the joke. Uh, I would also like to thank Tom Appel and Herb Weissbaum for another fantastic edition of For The People. If you have any car-related questions for Tom or any consumer concerns and questions for Herb, do it. Send us an email, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. For anything, including those questions, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. Voicemails as well, 773-417-6948. Questions for Tom, questions for Herb, and anything that you want to leave with us. We love your support. We love your messages. You are part of this podcast, 773-417-6948. I want to thank my main man, Jason Skaggs, as I always do. All the sounds, all the songs, all the themes, all the greatness from Jason Skaggs. He lives out of Houston, and he's on Facebook and Patreon. Check him out there. Check us out on RadioMisfits.com, and check out all the great podcasts. There are tons and tons of amazing podcasts on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. My thanks to Ed and everybody there. And and also, uh, check us out uh, on every platform, and rate and review us. Take the time to uh, rate and review us, RadioMisfits.com, or any place you get your platforms. And uh, we do it every Tuesday and every Friday. And uh, Radio Misfits, and the next time we talk, my guest will be Daniel Knox, who is a great musician and a brilliant guy and a great artist, and he loves David Lynch, and he is the guy who is programming the David Lynch Retrospective at the Music Box Theater. It's a week-long tribute. Nothing will be playing at the Music Box except amazing David Lynch movies and shorts and retrospectives with great guests and awesome things happening at the Music Box. If you're a fan of David Lynch, and who isn't, uh, the David Lynch retrospective is going to start on uh, April 7th, and uh, Daniel Knox will join us to talk about that long event at the Music Box. And David Lynch will be the topic, as well as other things. Esmeralda will be back as well. So that's what's happening on the Nick D Podcast. Thank you so much for being a part of it. And uh, listen uh, listen all the time here. And uh, thanks very much. And we'll see you next time. Yeah.